Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is episode 104 with my dad, Mr. Roxon. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Welcome everybody to As Told by Nomads. Now today's guest is my uh, my dad, my my dad, Mr. Roxon. And you know, a couple of episodes ago, a few episodes ago, you you got to hear my mom and my uh, my brothers. But but today's episode is is on my dad and and uh, you know why he decided to become a diplomat. And then we'll dive into some uh, some personal stories. But welcome to the show, Dad. Yeah, thank you, Akintayo. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys just heard him call me Akintayo. Akintayo is my full name, but uh, Tayo is for short. So uh, yeah, you know, I'll just come out and ask the obvious. Why did you want to become a diplomat? I did not actually plan to be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, after after my university education, I went for the youth corps, the National Youth Service Corps in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. After the completion of the uh, youth corps service, uh, we were interviewed by the Civil Service Commission. Then we had choices to pick. And uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs was one of my choices. So I was interviewed and I passed the interview and got admitted to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Huh. So in short, I did not actually planned to become one until I, I passed the interview and I started the job and since then so far so good now all right so before we go into that so some listeners might be wondering uh, what the youth corps is how would you describe the youth corps to you know to people not familiar with the term yeah the the, the, the national youth service corps is uh, what is called a compulsory national youth service that any graduate of Nigeria uh, must do for the national service before he or she 
can get uh, employment to any service. Okay. Yeah. So basically, you have to you have to work for four years, um, and uh, you know, and no, no, not for four years. You have to you have to go one, through one, one, one yeah year. one year. You have to go through one year to be considered one year compulsory national service. Right. To be considered eligible to to work in Nigeria. So with that, in fact, it's one of the requirements by the government job before you can serve. Okay. Okay. All right. So now let's let's go through the next step. So now you you know you picked foreign service. You know, as one of the options they gave that was given to you. What what happened yeah. next? You know, what was it like? What was you know the, those first days? You know, you're like, okay, I'm doing foreign service. What what was that? What was next? No, uh, let me first tell you what <clears throat> it entails to be. Uh, a foreign service officer. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. You must uh, have read at least any of the arts, social sciences, or humanities mm-hmm. in the university. Uh, some of my colleagues uh, did read uh, the sciences. But the moment we were all employed <clears throat> and started the service, we began the rudiments of being a diplomat through the on-the-job training uh, by our mentors, our bosses, and all that. They gave us so many things to do, and they taught us the, the trick or, and the etiquette of the job. Right. Uh, after uh, a certain period of time, we were asked to proceed to what is called the Foreign Service Academy. This Foreign Service Academy is also a year course, and it entails lecturers from various disciplines coming over to impart knowledge into us, lecturers from different universities, home and abroad. And that one year was a rigorous training for us, both in theory and in practical. Uh, by the time we finished the <clears throat> course at the end of the year, we uh, were meant to travel to different parts of the country. That is what they call the state tour because it is believed that if a diplomat is to be posted out of his country, he must have the knowledge of what that country is far and near. Mm. So we, we traveled all over the country. We met the governors. We met the traditional rulers. We went uh, touring uh, some important places uh, of culture and customs and all that. And uh, by the time we came back, we were fully enriched on what Nigeria is. And we were ready to go and propagate what Nigeria is to the outside world. Ah. So you really had to understand the country as a whole, because you know you're, you're you know you're from Southwest, and they wanted you to understand North, South, East, West. So if you go out of the country, you can basically communicate effectively. Exactly. Exactly. So. <clears throat> exactly. Huh. Okay. Now and then, so one year with that, one year with you know all these people is a rigorous process, and then you you did you now be, officially become a, a foreign service official? 
all along, <clears throat> uh, I have been a foreign service officer because as a graduate, I entered the service as a foreign service officer. And when we finished that one year foreign service academy, we were ready armed with all the niceties of the job. Okay. So we have been equipped with all the paraphernalia of the job. And when we finished the job, I mean, when we finished the course, we still stayed uh, in another department for almost a year after I was posted to Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, huh. Okay. Okay. Now, I, I want to dive into here. Stockholm, Sweden, what was that like? Yeah, because... I don't know if you had traveled, but you probably had traveled before. I don't know. I can't remember if you had traveled before then. But now you're going to Stockholm, Sweden. It's very cold, but it's a um, different environment, new people. Well, you know, what was your first impression, and how, how did it all go about? I, I was not uh, caught unaware on what I would have met in Sweden, because before we left, I told you that we we had mentors, we had the bosses mm-hmm. who had traveled far and wide before us, mm-hmm. who had been to all these countries that some of us were posted to, mm-hmm. and we, we, we got lectures and tutorials from them. Even in the one year Foreign Service Academy, different uh, bosses were asked to come and uh, give their experience to what they they did in their different missions so we, we were accustomed to some of the things we were going to meet so uh, when i got to sweden uh, there was no surprise at all other than the fact that i knew that it's a very cold region mm. and i i was prepared for it uh, that time you were just a, a baby <laughs> i was a baby uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah so so we got uh, got to I bundled up and got all the uh, winter kits for you, and uh, I started the job. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now you started the job. I'm curious, what did your mentors tell you to help prepare, and then how did you connect with the people once you got there? Because um, I, I I don't even know what you do when when you're you know when you go outside and you meet all these people, I don't know what your day is comprised of. So I'm just wondering how you connected with people and what your mentors told you spe- specifically. You know, like uh, we've been given training at home. Mm-hmm. So what we are now exposed to is like uh, outside training, foreign training, and which is on the job there. So we have to learn why we're at our various missions called embassies or high commissions or, or consulate general. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, basically, we we were doing what we call political relations, bilateral relations, uh, economic relations, and uh, so many other things concerning information about the countries where we are posted to. We learn about what would be of benefit to Nigeria and we report such back to Nigeria with comments and recommendations and all that. Hmm. Then, uh, yes. And as a matter of fact, I didn't find it difficult to 
to reach out to people because I am an extrovert, I'm outgoing. It doesn't take time for me to make friends and all that. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was the perfect position for you then. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't take time. And uh, when you make friends in diplomatic circle, uh, we, you have to mind what you say. We have the language with which we communicate with each other. There are some uh, ethics of business that uh, you don't just uh, go out freely and meet people and start talking everything. So one has to be very uh, circumspect and cautious in whatever or he or she says. So, but uh, these uh, Swedish people, I enjoyed them. We were able to communicate. I was a junior officer, very junior. I was the one following my ambassador for, to meetings then. So I covered uh, so many meetings, not only in Sweden, but in Denmark, Norway, and Finland, because Sweden, uh, our embassy in Sweden, is concurrently accredited to Denmark, Norway, and Finland, all Nordic countries. Scandinavia, or, yeah. Or whichever way you want, you can call it Scandinavia. Mm -hmm. Scandinavian countries or Nordic countries. Mm -hmm. So we are operating from Stockholm, Sweden, to all these uh, cold regions and every cold region. So I was uh, I cut my teeth there with uh, my first ambassador, the ambassador May, who also taught me some of the tricks of the business, along with other uh, officers who were senior to me then. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it's very interesting because I didn't. This is why I, I was glad I was doing this interview because I was I'm going to learn a lot myself. You, yeah. <laughs> you basically, you know, you look at the the overall landscape of the country you're in, the economic, the political, uh, you know, financial, and then you report back to the country as to yeah. potential opportunities for both countries could could work. So, or who are you reporting back to exactly? You reporting to the government of Nigeria? And then they pass it down to the several ministries and, you know, go back and forth? Uh, apart from all those you have mentioned, we also take care of the interests of Nigerians who reside in such countries. Okay, okay. Yes, I will now go back to your question. As a diplomat, you must be able to study the political economic, cultural, all aspects of the country you are posted to and look at the, the good ones and the bad ones, sift the good ones from the bad ones and write a very good report to your ministry. And in this case, it is the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. When we say write back to the government, it is the ministry we are writing to. And when the ministry feels or, or the ministry deems it fit that this report is of good essence and the government can use it, then the ministry can uh, uh, dispose that. Uh, the ministry can decide to. Uh, uh, how do I say? The ministry can decide to tell government that let us use this report as one of our policy initiatives mm, no i love it 
Yeah, and, and then to go back to what you said earlier, you also represent the interests of Nigerians abroad. So whether it's visas, uh, you know, Im- immigration, I guess, uh, you know, deportation, stuff like that, right? Yes, we 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 look out for the interest of Nigerians wherever they are in the country where uh, we are posted to. Uh, this is what we call consular. For instance, if they have pro- problems, maybe consular problems, maybe they have a student's uh, crisis, maybe some of them are in the hospital, or maybe some of them have problems with the government there, we try to pay, play a mediatory role. We try to <clears throat> uh, intervene and appeal to the government of the country to temper, uh, temper justice with mercy, that uh, even though if they commit offense which is punishable they should be treated accordingly just like they will have treated their own citizen okay with, uh, yes okay okay and another another thing i remember growing up was when the president of nigeria would come to the country you're staying at you all welcome them so i i was curious to know if that's also a responsibility of the embassy of the foreign official you know, of, or of you know of you know a diplomat to to welcome the government official in the foreign country is that is that correct uh, because we, that is the foremost duty of any embassy <laughs> in any country so that's that's so, the big responsibility okay so, all right to receive the president government officials ministers and all that because that's why we're here because the ambassador is representative of the president in wherever country is uh, posted to uh-huh. Uh, if we don't receive our president, then we don't have any job doing <laughs> wherever we are posted. Okay, so you know, you re- you receive him, you tell him, like, so you just bring him from the airport, take him to the, I guess, hotels, and then you give them the agenda of the day, of the week. Even before his, arrive, even before his arrival, <clears throat> we would have sent a lot of briefing and from the airport to uh, his hotel or wherever he stays. We will be giving him a lot of briefings on whatever he has come to do, mm-hmm. so that uh, uh, because he will ask us questions as well anyway. <clears throat> so oh, okay, it is our duty. Is our president, and we are representing him uh, here. Uh, okay, uh, now uh, this is this is very very interesting. So obviously, we went to Sweden. So since I've been alive, obviously it's been Sweden, Burkina Faso, Vietnam. U.S. <clears throat> and, and you know, and U.S. What what has been your favorite so far? I know you don't. don't I know what you're gonna say. You're gonna say you like everyone, but what was your favorite, Dad? <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm happy that you have preempted me. Yeah, but, uh, because I already know how you answer these questions, Dad. You always do yes. this. But <laughs> as I already told you, oh man, <laughs> I, I never have a favorite because. Each uh, country I've been posted to, or each mission I've gone, uh, each has its own peculiar <coughs> allure, which uh, if I break it down, now it's, it take a lot of time on this uh, type of interview. Gotcha. But uh, each country, to me, uh, has been very interesting to me in accordance with the culture and the 
and the morals of the society there. And, you know, I told you that I am very outgoing and uh, uh, I mix very freely. So wherever I am, I try to make sure that I enjoy where I am. Okay. So before I leave home at all, I always make, my, make up my mind that here I am going, I must make the best use of it. So I cannot tell you particularly or specifically that uh, <clears throat> this is the best uh country i've uh, served uh, because i've enjoyed each according to what i met there okay. and uh, i'm presently i'm in the u.s and even before i was posted to the u.s i've been coming to the u.s since uh way back okay so uh, so that's as far as I can answer such question. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, okay. I'll do this then. Um, you meet a lot of important officials. Who was who was who was the highlight of your uh, out of all the people you've met? Who was the most uh, impressive person you met? And uh, who was your favorite person that you met? I, I think this same question has <laughs> uh, the same. As a uh, semblance with uh, the previous one. No one stood uh, out? No one stood out? Uh, I've met so many important people that uh, I can already tell you that, hey, this one is the. I've met with presidents, I've uh, stayed with the president inside the same hotel, I've stayed four nights each time for two years in. Uh, uh, with the president too, uh, which I don't want to mention. Oh, you can't mention. Okay, that that makes sense. You can't mention some of these. Okay, <laughs> which and I I saw when I compare their lifestyle, definitely so different, and uh, I take them for what they are, and that's the way I feel I am too. Because <clears throat> nobody, no two people can be the same. But I've met a lot of interesting people that have assisted me uh, in my career and also assisted me in what I am today in terms of knowledge, in terms of education, and in, in, in terms of awareness. Uh, I, I cannot quantify what I have uh, learned from all these important people that uh, I have met and that I'm still meeting to date. So relationships have been key and in, in your advancement and obviously you can't mention these people here, but in your diplomatic career. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Relationships have been key, and you've kept in contact. Yeah, exactly so. 
All right, all right. So let, let's uh, let you know. Let's let's talk about you know me, Daily Tunde, you know all of us, mom. When we were moving, I, I never asked you this growing up, but what did you notice from how we took in each move? Uh, I, I know particularly Burkina Faso was it was a little. We were excited at first, but I know for me initially it got difficult. Then it got good. So I I don't know what your obs- observation was. Um, when we were growing up and you, you know, we always had to move. Yes. Uh, I, let me start from Sweden. Okay. Because uh, then you are a baby, as I earlier said. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I found out that you are very active and also willing to learn as soon as we got to Sweden because we passed through London. We spent some time in London before we eventually got to Sweden. I was with my brother then, or just uh, one or two weeks before we eventually moved to Sweden. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you are very attentive and always willing to learn uh, the ABC and everything, spellings and all that. Uh, if I can remember vividly, your mom used to teach you uh, the, the man, girl, and all that. Yeah. And anytime, anytime you saw a man going. You, come out to the patio saying, a hey, man, you <laughs> see a girl, a girl. Yes. And uh, your brother too, I, when your brother came, he, 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 me, uh, your disposition changed. Yeah. But uh, later, because as a baby, later you, <clears throat> you accepted him because you thought first that uh, this uh, a strange person coming in, but... Uh, uh, later, you even thought it was a toy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. After a while, you you became friends and you were always taking photographs together. Yes. Then when we came back to Nigeria and, and I was posted again to Burkina Faso, the experience was different because we are going to a, a tropical region just like from. Nigeria to another country with this, with the same weather, and uh, you and your brother, you are already going to a primary school in uh, in Lagos, and uh, with intensive coaching, you you are ready for wherever school you are going, and you. You have already even sat for uh, school, uh, secondary school, government college, King's College, and all this, what we call common entrance. And uh, another one for um, university, uh, secondary school, University of Lagos uh, International Secondary School. You got admission there. And later, I think you got admission at the government college, Ijaniki. But uh, all those one. Uh, could not happen because since I was posted, you had to follow me. And uh, what I normally do is that I always go before you, before my family, <clears throat> to make arrangement for your school before your arrival, which I did in the in Burkina Faso. I got to Ogadugu early enough, uh, made inquiries about the International School of Ogadugu, which is uh, American oriented. And uh, by the time you came, it was like a smooth sail. Uh, you, uh, both of you, you and your brother, 
got interviewed and uh, got placement to different uh, classes. And uh, as usual, I think you are going too. So because I know before long, uh, you, be, you and your brother became very popular in the school. And, uh, <laughs> so you did. <laughs> yes, yeah, so not only for uh, being okay, but for academics as well, because uh, you and one uh, lady were always coming first or second, I can remember. So uh, one Canadian lady like that, a girl now. Yeah, her name was Wendy Rutten. So that, that means you didn't, yeah, that means we did, we did a good job of hiding the difficult parts of you because you only saw that. Because I remember Dele and I, Dele got very, no. very into soccer. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, you, I uh, know you, you took some time. Uh, it doesn't really take a long time before you got uh, uh, assimilated into the school system. Because uh, you and your brother, after a while, you began to go after the school hours. You know, it's not the school is or uh, it's not far from where we were living. Yeah, and we were going for sports. There was a time you wanted tennis, later basketball. Another, you lost one tooth at the time. I can't remember. If I can't remember. Yeah, I lost a tooth for playing basketball. I lost my tooth playing basketball. <laughs> I chipped it. So, I didn't lose it. I chipped it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. Uh, you 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 got uh, that ingratiated uh, uh, into the system. Yeah, I remember that was like seventh grade. Sixth grade was a little rough. Mommy, mommy knew it more because uh, she because you you often at work. But um, once I got into the system, it, and it was I always said I said it in previous episodes. It was I re- sports was like my biggest connector. That was the way I started to make friends. Then we started to connect. You know, Michael Albright. You know, I remember you remember Michael. Um, <laughs> People like that. So, but, but once I started doing a daily on this episode, he said the same thing for him was when he started, you know, he knew that he needed to, to figure out a way to play because, you know. No, but, I mean, you know, I remember now that you said that uh, you, at the beginning, you were saying that uh, you were feeling one kind, but I. Yeah, I was feeling I weird. Said, uh, but I said, me, I don't believe in anything. I always believe I can do this. I don't I don't like uh, <clears throat> uh, fighting something from angle of defeatism. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I claim equality, so if anything happens, so we are equal. Yeah. So I, I, I think I can remember a little bit, but it didn't take time before you yeah. got about <laughs> such and. Uh, yeah, I remember. That was always your thing. That was always your thing. Yeah, that was always your thing. You always, you always used to tell us that yeah. you know everyone's equal. Because sometimes we would come back and we'll feel maybe a bit inferior. You'd be like, no, I don't believe in that. We're all yeah. equal. Yeah. Um, and this is how you know. And that's I remember you you telling us that specifically. And that's the same spirit and the policy and philosophy I still have. Yeah, yeah, you definitely still yeah. have that. I definitely got that from yeah. you. But so let's uh, let's do this Nigerian thing. You made sure. You know, every one of us sounds different. You know, Dela and I sounds different. You know, we don't have Nigerian accents. We we sometimes it slips. But one thing that you made very, you made sure we did was that we kept our Nigerian culture. Why did you want us to really be familiar with our home country? You didn't want us to lose that. And you always said that every time we traveled to, even when we came here from school, you're like, yep, always remember where you're from. Always remember where you're from. Come back during vacations. We want you to meet these people. It's very important. Why was that important that you raised us that way? North 
south, east, and west. There's nowhere like home. Mm-hmm. Even yes, even here in America, you see a lot of Chinese, you see a lot of Indians, and all of them. They there's no way during the uh, uh, their own uh, end of year period, they always love to go back home because anybody who is not proud of where he comes from is not fit to live. Anybody who's not proud of his culture is not fit to live. No matter how <clears throat> you sojourn in any country, always remember where you are from. Because even if you don't remember the country where you are, they will tell you that you are from this place. Even if you are American today, and somebody says that ah, you are American, they will ask you, where are you originally from? They will ask you a short question. But uh, it is the pride of a person to appreciate his culture, to appreciate where he comes from. And that is why we'd like you to go home regularly and mix because there are a lot of opportunities back home too. It's not only outside, but the ability to be able to shuttle between where you are and go back home is what matters most because there are advantages you can derive from going home and coming back to where you are. So when some place where, where you are, where it's too hot, you can go there, go back to where you come from originally and relax a little bit and uh, come back. And that's the essence of uh, being uh, what you are, the culture you are from. The Jews, when they go back to Israel, they are happy. The Indians, when they go back to their country in India, they are happy. The Chinese too, they, are, they do the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they come back to the U.S., they face their work. Mm-hmm. So you must be proud of your country and be a part of the development of that country, no matter how poor that country is. So, oh, and what we need you, we need you as experts. When the time comes, you go and impart your knowledge of uh, that you have acquired over time abroad to the development of Nigeria. And that's one of the reasons why we always uh, talk and discuss with Nigerians in diaspora that we need their expertise back at home. We, we need their services so that they can help Nigeria to grow better and, in, and improve the employment of our teaming youth who are passing out of the universities uh, without job. That's a good point that you bring because that, that's leading me to my next question. It's your belief that in order for emerging countries uh, develop, you know, countries like Nigeria, you know, which just recently became number one GDP in Africa, you know, India, all these countries, uh, Thailand, the people that will help the country be, you know, achieve the potential that it can actually achieve is through the citizens in diaspora and people that come back so you don't have brain drain. So you, you feel like the people in diaspora are the ones that would help build the country to the way it's supposed to be. Is that your opinion? Yes, you know, we've always been uh, preaching uh, uh, that we must return the the Nigerians who have already acquired a lot here mm-hmm. back to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we still have to ensure that we have all what it takes to absorb them in Nigeria because we cannot ask them to come to Nigeria and relinquish whatever they have here because over time they have been in the U.S., they have been in the West, they have been in Europe, 
and they have a established relationship they have married there they have family and all that they have social security and everything so we can ask them to abandon such because we cannot provide them with that but what i and uh, most of my colleagues used to tell them is that whatever they can to assist the country of their birth they should always endeavor to render such uh, at little or no uh, at little or no push mm-hmm. so that's uh, some of them and i can tell you uh, i can tell you uh, for for sure that many of them they are responding uh, favorably they are responding favorably their response is very impressive some are going home to help assist some uh, medical uh, staff with uh, medical equipment some hospitals with uh, uh, assistance in terms of uh, providing them with uh, their knowledge maybe for three months and come back to us and uh, i can continue to mention a lot yeah no no it's good no i, I yeah the reason i was bringing this is because obviously as a diplomat i can imagine you, know, you you get to see a lot of nigerians abroad and you also get some of these statistics you know where, where you see you know you know nigeria is on the rise potential is right there and and you know you can see the path to success and sometimes it may be frustrating seeing you know people not taking advantage of that so i, I just wanted to hear your opinion on that what the, a couple of questions here before we close for direct inverse investments i read something today where a lot of a lot of nigeria attracts probably one of the most you know uh direct inve- foreign investments from you know foreigners and a lot of headquarters of africa are based in you know in lagos abuja or wherever but it's in nigeria how would you advise like all these foreigners coming here because you you being that diplomat you are what would you tell them to be very careful of because the way we do business is very different from the way you know westerners do business and you know there's some nuances that people will pick up that need to pick up uh, my advice to any foreign investor going to Nigeria or going to Africa is to make Nigeria their preference because Nigeria now as an emerging economy is the preferred destination of any foreign investor in terms of very high return on investment and the good economic climate Nigeria now has Nigeria has uh, deregulated its economy. Nigeria has also removed some of the impediments of registration of companies in such a way that we now have what we call one-stop shop, where all the registration, uh, license, tax, and everything can be paid at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and uh, those who are already there, they know that the return on investment is so high that they keep on inviting other foreigners to come. For those people, they, they, uh, they are reaping they are the reward immediately and their profits can be transferred back to their country here in the US. So, and I also want to advise uh, some foreign investors here to take advantage of the uh, 
good relations, good political relations between Nigeria and US and go and invest in Nigeria. And the, by the time they finish everything, they will be the better for it. <laughs> no, no, it's true. I mean, because, you know, you hear it's it's very much high reward, high risk. You know, as being an entrepreneur, there's always risk involved. So that that's something that you 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 know going into something. But you always tell me this. The returns that happen when you succeed in Nigeria greatly surpass the returns that you have. Just basically because of a lot of the regulations you said, the one stop, the tax tax laws, the registration of the company, the amount of things you have to pay. It's 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 not as as structured. Um, it's not as uh you know, I guess red taped and all all this as you know, maybe other countries would have. So you get to the ceiling is really really high. Sometimes you can't even see it. Um, and it's and it's bursting with a lot of people that want to be employed, right? You know, it's it's the largest uh country in Africa population wise. So there's so many people, human capital that need to you know go work. So the room for growth is just exponential. Nigeria, I can tell you, we used to have some obsolete laws, but all those rules and regulations have been, been replaced with simple registration exercise that can last, let's say, at most two days. But I can say 24 hours because what there is what we call the NIPC, Nigeria Investment Promotion uh, Commission, is uh, seized with this uh, duty. A foreigner can go there today, early in the morning, and finish registration before after uh, the day runs out. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm glad you're saying that because I, I'm glad you dispel some stereotypes because obviously Nigeria's had a lot has been synonymous <laughs> with corruption, and that's not. I'm not saying you, you, you and I yes. would admit, admit that yes, there's been there, corruption. There's no. Yeah, uh, there's no country. That doesn't have corruption. There is no country that is not corrupt. The level is only the level that differs. But I'm telling you, <clears throat> Nigeria is trying as much as possible with this new government and uh, with its transparency policy to ensure that we reduce uh, corruption to the barest minimum. Good, good. All right, all right. We're, we're, we're basically at a close here. So, what advice would you give other people aspiring to be diplomats, Dad? Uh, well, they, they should be very. Uh, what can I tell them? <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything. I'm sure anything you say will be will be beneficial uh, for sure. You, you must have the, the knowledge of international relations. Mm -hmm. You must have the knowledge of your country that you are from. You must also have the knowledge of the countries surrounding your country like the regional uh, countries and you must also be widely read mm -hmm. very conversant with the current affairs most especially what we now have as social media you must be able to be on your toes to know what is happening today and what is going to happen tomorrow and as a diplomat you should be able to analyze any reports and don't just don't just take that report, hook, line, uh, and sinker. Read it, look at it, analyze it, and bring out the best in it. Yeah. As a diplomat, mm -hmm. you should also mind what you say. You don't say everything. You learn. 
you watch and you study the uh, person you are talking to before you respond. You don't just divulge all the pieces of information you have uh, in you. Try as much as possible to extract a lot of information from who you ever, whoever you are talking to so that you can make good use of it. So as a diplomat, just try to be humble, uh, courteous, and at the same time, very respectful to whoever you are dealing with. Absolutely. And, you know, it's listen, observe, you know, be widely read, uh, you know, and also tap into your curiosity. Because, yes, you have to have knowledge of your country, but you also have to be curious enough to, to, to want to know more about the world at large. It's the hallmark of a diplomat to be curious. Mm -hmm. Yes, because uh, out of your curiosity, you learn a lot and you'll be able to uh, do a lot of reporting and at the same time, uh, it will be good for you as a diplomat too. Ah, well, <laughs> Mr. Roxon, I want to thank you for coming on, Dad. This has been great. I've yeah. definitely learned. This has been as educational uh, as I'm sure it would be for everybody else there. But thank you uh, for coming on, Dad. Uh, you're welcome. Unfortunately, my voice has not been able to uh, heal as I expected because of the... <laughs> yeah, I know, of, yeah. <laughs> Hey, but you did a good I, job, though. You did a good job. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I hope I try as much as possible to put my points across. No, I, I heard even, everything. Even, the, even my voice was coarse and hoarse. <laughs> no, no, you did a good job, Dad. It was very, very educational for me. So thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.